Welcome to Unsanctimonious, the podcast where two irreverent pastors explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary while doing their best to be unsanctimonious. What does that mean? Well, if the word sanctimonious means self-righteous, holier-than-thou, smug, falsely pious, pompous, self-satisfied, or prideful, we want to be the opposite of that. Your hosts are Jonathan Kleinsmith and the Reverend Mark Jardine. And even though we're both pastors, we won't pretend to have it all figured out. Spoiler alert, no pastor, theologian, or Bible scholar actually does. But we do believe that God is revealed in the reading of these holy words, and our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you might have an encounter with God as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world's all-time best-selling book and see how it might be speaking to us today. Hello and welcome to the Unsanctimonious Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Reverend Jonathan Kleinsmith, and with me is the Reverend Mark Jardine. How's it going, Mark? It's going good. Good to be back with you and uh, good to have this opportunity to just sit down and walk through another passage of scripture from Matthew and uh, look forward to unpacking this as we used to say in the old days. Yeah, yeah. And back when people used luggage. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe, Mark, this is our 19th episode? We've, uh, wow. we've really been plugging along, man. Well, we've cruised through this better than we even amazed ourselves at, probably. So. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I thought for sure people would uh, really be tired of me after about episode one and a half but uh, they're still listening for some reason. So thank you guys. If you are new to the podcast, this is kind of what we do is we go through uh, scripture each week. We ask that scripture four questions. Um, What's the ancient problem that the scripture addresses? What ancient solution does it offer to its ancient audience? What modern problems might the scripture be speaking to today? And what modern solutions might it offer us. So uh, without further ado, our scripture today comes to us from the book of Matthew chapter 22 verses 1 through 14. Um, it, uh, the translation we're using is the Common English Bible. It's an easy to read translation um, and that which is why we chose it. But if you want to use some other translation as you read along, that is totally okay. The best translation of the Bible is the translation you read. So Let's read this scripture and then we will dive in. Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Jesus responded by speaking again in parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding party for his son. He sent his servants to call those invited to the wedding party, but they didn't want to come. Again, he sent other servants and said to them, tell those who have been invited, look, the meal is all prepared. I butchered the oxen and the fattened cattle. Now everything's ready. Come to the wedding party. But they paid no attention and went away, some to their fields, others to their businesses. The rest of them grabbed his servants, abused them, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his soldiers to destroy those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his servants, the wedding party is prepared, but those who were invited weren't worthy. Therefore, go to the roads on the edge of town and invite everyone you find to the wedding party. Then those servants went to the roads and gathered everyone they found, both good and evil. The wedding party was full of guests. Now, when the king came and saw the guests, he spotted a man who wasn't wearing wedding clothes. 
He said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? But he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, tie his hands and feet and throw him out into the farthest darkness. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Many people are invited, but few people are chosen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, not much to dive into there. Probably going to be a short podcast. <laughs> Mark, is, uh, as uh, is custom and as I am always thankful for, you get the first crack at this. Okay. Okay. Well, um, this is, uh, you know, we're talking about the modern, pro- the, the ancient problem uh, and the challenge of the context of where we are. Uh, we're late in Matthew's gospel. Uh, this is the is, is part of, of three consecutive parables uh, that Jesus is telling here. Uh, you know, the, the first one, it was the parable of the two sons. You know, the one says he's going to do something and doesn't do it. And the other one says he's not going to do it and does it. And then we have the vineyard uh, and the parable of the vineyard. And uh, so now we come to this third parable which is this parable of the banquet, the wedding banquet. And obviously here, what we're talking about is uh, the rejection of God, if you will, I think is who we're really talking about rejecting here uh, because the kingdom is heaven and is, is like a king who prepared a wedding party. Well, the king is obviously God. And so God prepares this wedding party and uh he sends, a pro- he sends these servants, prophets, perhaps the Old Testament. They're rejected. Uh, then along comes these New Testaments, so there's some more prophets, and even Jesus. And it's a foreshadowing of his death uh, in here, because, of course, in the end, the servants abuse them and kill them. And uh, the king's angry. And, uh, and there's all this destruction. And so the problem is here really that we're, well, what we're talking about is that, that uh, the king's this kingdom and this king's plan for this wedding party, uh, this binding together, if you will, of, of uh, you know, a celebration of binding together uh, of covenant uh, is uh, people aren't willing to come to it. Uh, people don't want to come to it. And so in the end, they even destroy those who sent the invitation to come to the party. And so the king burns down everything, probably even his own town, it sounds like. I mean, he just burned it all down. And then he has this party, and they invite everyone to come. Maybe those people that hadn't been, you know, uh, judged as the best guests or the right guests to have at the party, invites everyone to come into the party, uh, go out to the roads and the byways and gather everyone in. And then they get everyone in there, and then there's this guy who shows up and he doesn't have the right wedding clothes on. And uh, so there's another problem here because not only are we dealing with the fact that all these people reject him, but then this one shows up and he's not prepared himself to come to the wedding party. Now, granted, he got picked up on the side of the road somewhere and hustled in here, but still uh, he wasn't prepared. And, and, you know, one of the things we deal with in, in the, in the Bible and the biblical understanding when we talk about clothing a lot of the time, especially in the New Testament and early Christianity, a new identity of conversion was often pictured as donating a new set of clothes. And so this guy was not showing forth uh, maybe perhaps 
showing forth the fruit of his conversion. Uh, and therefore, when he comes to the party, uh, he doesn't have the right clothes on or he hasn't bore the fruits of his conversion. And so therefore he's rejected too. And so, uh, you know, this is a, this is a hard parable in the sense that you look at it and go, gosh, uh, this is, you know, all this rejection. Uh, we see this image of God that most of us don't really get real excited about. And that is of judgment and, uh, you know, burning cities and being angry and, you know, rejecting uh, this one servant, throwing him out into the furthest darkness. They'll be weeping and grinding their teeth out there, people will be. I mean, that's, that's a lovely image uh, that, that we, 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 don't, we don't like these images uh, in modern church by and large. And, uh, and but this is, this is this parable. So there, there is, in an essence, the problem is, 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 I guess, is that people did not accept him, uh, didn't accept God's kingdom, didn't accept the invitation. And then the other side is even some of those who did accept the invitation in the end uh, really weren't prepared, uh, hadn't prepared themselves to come to the wedding party. And so they weren't bearing fruit. So therefore, uh, they even get rejected. So I, I think the problem there is, is uh, you know, I guess the ancient problem is, is that uh, uh, you had this whole the Jewish movement the Hebrew movement, the Israelite movement beforehand that rejected Jesus. And, uh, and now you still have this, even once we get to the point of the uh, Christian movement uh, or the Jesus follower movement, uh, we still have people rejecting Jesus because they're not uh, really putting on the clothes uh, or the, bearing the fruit of a conversion. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, I think there are parts of this that, uh, you know, um, if we don't read it in context, uh, I think we can, we can get uh, scared off by this passage, right. right? It's one of those, uh, you know, uh, the so-called hard sayings of Jesus right. and, uh, you know, uh, which, uh, usually, uh, like scholars are sort of divided, but one, one camp would say that, the harder a saying of Jesus is, right, the, the harder it is to swallow, the more likely it is, uh, you know, to have been from Jesus himself, which, you know, I trust all of scripture, but not everybody does. So, so these are Jesus's words. And we, uh, you know, we uh, think of Jesus as, and uh, in, in scripture refers to, to Jesus as, um, you know, uh, this living embodiment of God, uh, you know, the, the God who is love, right? And, and so um, it's hard for us to deal with some of this stuff, but, but there's a little bit of hyperbole at work, right? Like most people, whenever they're invited to a party, don't kill the person that invited them. Right. Uh, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not, not something that happens every day. And then to kick off a party, you don't usually burn your own town to the ground, right? Like, oh, at least I haven't. Uh, now, if you're, <laughs> if you're doing a gender reveal party in California, uh, maybe that was insensitive. But, uh, uh, but you know, yeah. th th there's some hyperbole at work. And, and obviously, um, the character of God is not 100% compatible with the character of the king in this story. Right. But the point is supposed to get across, I think, the, the real serious nature 
of rejecting God. And, and it will have consequences, right? Like Jerusalem's going to be destroyed in 70 AD. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the Jewish people are never going to, uh, after that moment, they're never going to uh, have the um, unity or the nationhood that they had, even, even in its diminished capacity under the Roman Empire. Like that's, that's, uh, that's going to be gone. Um, and then, uh, you know, really won't, there won't be anything like it for 2000 years until, you know, 1948, right. When, uh, Israel's reestablished. So, right. <laughs> um, there, there are real consequences, uh, mm-hmm. that are associated with rejecting Jesus's message. And, and, um, you know, if you look at the historical, uh, you know, sources, yeah, the Romans were bad, but, it was Jewish rebellions that caused those, uh, you know, those incidents. And, and, you know, we could get into this conversation about uh, freedom and liberty and all of those things. But the, I think the, the point that I'm trying to get at is that Jesus comes with a radically different understanding of the world um, that comes directly from uh, Yahweh, the God that, that these uh, Jewish folks have proclaimed to believe in. But the, the message is so radically different than what they expect that they would rather kill the messenger um, than to adopt it, right? And they've done this with the prophets. They've done this with uh, everyone that's come before. And so, um, yeah, we see, um, obviously, uh, this is, a, this is a, a parable for the state of the entire um, Jewish nation, right? And, um, <coughs> you know, one other, <coughs> sorry, wow. One other way of, uh, of thinking about this, uh, the wedding garment part of this is, um, you know, think of, of uh, the situation in the first century. You had your radicals, right? Your zealots and uh, your hardliner Pharisees uh, uh, and people like that who were willing to take up arms against the Roman Empire and revolt. And then you had your, you know, new sect of... Uh, Jewish Christians that are proclaiming this uh, different sort of message. And then you probably had a lot of people that just weren't prepared for anything. Right. right? And, uh, and I think that's what we see with this wedding garment guy. He's like, eh, you know, Oh, Hey, there's a party. I guess I got to go. You know, it's uh, he's uh, he's this sort of character. That's um, that's, he doesn't, you know, we don't really know anything about what his motivations are, but there, he apparently wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't prepared for this moment. And I think that's probably where a lot of people were back then. So uh, we've got some, a couple of ancient problems percolating here, mainly the rejection of God's messengers and ultimately the rejection of God's son. What is the solution, Mark? Well, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, I think the solution is, is that uh, people, uh, I think the solution is, is that they come to some sort of understanding. I mean, the solution ultimately is, is that Christ goes to the cross and is, you know, it dies and is buried and resurrected. And that creates a new way to get to the banquet at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, cause obviously, uh, something really earth shaking, something really radical had to happen because all the methods of sending prophets and, and teachers and all those other people that had come did not work. And so this was a radical step 
that was the solution. And the solution, oddly enough, didn't come from the people side of the equation. The solution comes from the God side of the equation always. And uh, God, you know, gives the life of his own son. So there now is a path into that wedding banquet uh, that wasn't there before. And uh, people experience and see the grace lived out in Jesus Christ. And then they begin to um, engage with God differently because God has reached over to them across that bridge. And so I think, uh, you know, so I, I think the solution is, is that, that God reaches in with Jesus and creates a new way in. Uh, I do think that then the other problem of this guy with the wrong, uh, without the wedding gown or the wedding, you know, whatever clothes on, uh, I think uh, in this new way, there is, there is a grace there that's a little different, but there also is a, still an expectation, I think, that we bear fruit and that we live into that. And uh, so I don't know that that goes away, but maybe there's, there's more grace in allowing us uh, to be uh, forgiven in a different way, in a more powerful way uh, that grace offers. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think if, uh, this kind of ties, you know, ties back to the, the last couple of scriptures we've looked at, right? Where, um, you know, in this, in this parable, the, the, the party goers are uh, expected to be the people that deserve to be there, but the ones that right. end up showing up are the ones that were on the fringes, literally the edge of town, right? In this, right. in this, uh, in this parable. And so, you know, going back to what's been said before in the Gospel of Matthew, now the 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 kingdom is available to tax collectors and prostitutes, right? Like the people that were considered the biggest sinners um, in in that society, and it is the work of uh, it is the work of Jesus, right? That uh, that makes that possible right um and so um righteousness um righteousness is an expectation right like this is what would have gotten you into the party but then we find out that the people that were going to go were not actually righteous so uh jesus gives righteousness to a group of people right the uh we're, we're, we're made right or the people are made righteous through jesus act yes yeah yeah now, uh, what we would uh, what we would call justifying grace, if we were using five dollar seminary words again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but also, I think that uh, you know the other five dollar seminary word, uh, sanctifying grace, mm -hmm. comes into play with this wedding garment thing. So, right. not only are you, are you expected to lean on the righteousness of Jesus to get into the party, but also once you're there, you're expected to be clothed in that righteousness, you know, in, in terms of like that, what we call sanctifying grace, being like Jesus to stay there. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, a really interesting thing to me um, in modern 21st century United States, um, how often people forget about um, this idea of transformation in our Christian walk, right? Like right. it's so often it's boiled down to beliefs, right? You're gonna, if you believe this, you'll be saved from hell and you're good to go. 
but the the gospels and in, in the the letters of paul you know the rest of the new testament they're pretty clear that it's about transformation right it's it's not just about getting there it's about being like jesus and uh, i think you know if we if we take that uh you know if we take that part about the wedding garment and and we just read it in isolation it could be confusing for us and maybe give us a wrong sense of god's character but when we read it in the sense of the rest of the new testament like about this real need for us to be transformed people i think it it, it's not, it's not a non-loving uh uh story it's it's something that's calling us to something greater than ourselves which is to be like christ right yeah i, I think you know that's uh that's it is it's this whole idea of transformation that that is caught up in that whole section on the wedding garment and maybe the whole story is a story about the call to transformation and making a way for transformation and once that way is made then uh, we're expected to live forward in that transformation and not just uh, say, okay, well, great. I went through the transformation. I'm good now. I can go back to doing whatever I want to do, yada, yada, yada. That the sanctification, uh, you know, that big $5 word uh, or $10 or whatever that word's worth uh, really means that it's an ongoing journey that just because you come to that point of being saved or salvation or whatever you want to or, you know, whatever term you want to use, that's just the beginning of the story. And, uh, and so I think, you know, this, this guy that's rejected, he, he did not take the rest of the journey seriously, perhaps. He took the invitation, he came to the party, great. But he didn't, he wasn't willing to be transformed and continue that transformative process in his life. And so, uh, so anyways, I don't know, we, we've moved to the modern what in, in this, but I think yeah, we're yeah. somewhere. I think, I think we're moving somewhere. That. I think we're ready for that. It, I mean, I see all sorts of uh, parallels with our, our modern situation, but uh, I watched too much TV last night that will, recency bias will lead me towards certain sins. So uh, <laughs> I, I got involved in politics. Uh, so I, I'm going to cleanse my palate of that and let you comment, Mark on uh, how this might be speaking to us today. Well, I, I, <laughs> that was a good escape, prior, by the way. Uh, uh, I, think, I think the thing is, is that, that, that we too, uh, as modern people, uh, we struggle with uh, rejection of what doesn't fit our expectations exactly. Uh, I think, you know, Someone told me the other day, you got to decide if you're going to follow man, listen to man, or listen to God when you make decisions. And I think if we were to go back and look at this story in the first section anyway, uh, these people are, they're busy. They got other things going on. They don't got time for God. Uh, you know, uh, they are going to do the things of this world that pull their time uh, in that direction. And so it's, it's a big issue of priority. It's a big issue of what you're going to focus your life in and on. And I think in this day and time, we have a hard time with that. Uh, we have a hard time because everyone can use the rhetoric of the Christian faith however they want to use it. And it's not always uh, godly. It's not always godly the way it's being used. 
Uh, you know, we know historically, all the way back through the ages, that people have used scripture and the faith for the advancement of their agenda uh, and ignored being invited to the wedding party, if you will, uh, and wanted to have their own party. And so, uh, so I think that's, you know, the modern problem is perhaps learning to listen for the voice of God and follow that voice and all the other voices. Uh, I think the other thing is, of course, this ongoing issue of sanctification. Uh, we live in a time and a place where sometimes the faith becomes melted down to that moment you knew Jesus, and then everything's good after that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done, I've paid my dues, I've punched my card, I've done whatever I've done. And what we're hearing in this story is no, no that's not exactly how this ends. Uh, the modern problem is. This is a journey you commit to, not just a moment in your life you commit to. And it's a journey with Jesus. And out of that journey, uh, we grow closer to God and Jesus, and we continue to seek God's will and desire for our lives and listen for God's voice among all the other voices that can be so distracting. And uh, so anyways, I don't know, that's sort of a sermon and a, a whole bunch of stuff in a nutshell. But I, I think I think our problem, a lot of it comes down to learning to listen for God instead of listening for man and women's voices and then moving toward that voice with our life each day. Yeah. Wow. One hundred percent. You know, it's. Uh, um, it's it's so easy as a 21st century American to access scriptures to go online and find sermons from, from, you know, uh, the greatest preachers in the world like us, um, to, uh, to, uh, you know, really anything you want to know intellectually about the Christian faith, you can find it. Now, sometimes there are, right, there are different interpretations of past events or different interpretations of doctrines, but, but those aren't hidden. Those aren't secret. Um, but, uh, for whatever reason, like we have more access to the truth of God in terms of like um, what we can go out and find um, than ever before. But also I feel like it's so much easier for whatever reason for us to be deceived today than it was even in the past, right? We, we make fun of people from the Middle Ages for being, you know, illiterate and superstitious and um, all sorts of things. But the average person in the Middle Ages had more knowledge, the average Christian, I guess, in mm -hmm. the Middle Ages had more knowledge of Scripture today than a lot of pastors do, right? right. They, could, they could quote stories. They could, they could do all these things. And, and sometimes even while they were illiterate, they would know the biblical stories. Nowadays, like you do, um, you do a survey of people that identify as Christian and ask them about biblical truths, right? Things that are obvious from the Bible. And uh, they might not be able to tell you um, what it is or what it isn't. And so we have this sort of uh, world where we're easily deceived and where we, 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 somebody invokes the name of God. We're, we're sometimes we're emotionally swayed or even intellectually swayed to go that direction because it, it resonates with what we want to believe. Uh, mm -hmm. about either ourselves or the world instead of resonating 
with what the gospel is, with the, the, the thing God has to say. So, so tying this back to our narrative, right? Like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when Jesus is telling this parable, it's about the nation of, of well, at the, by this time, the nation of Judea, what had been uh, Judah, which was before Israel, right? Um, it's it's the, the story of these people who um, thought that they were God's people, thought that they were godly people, um, but got swayed in different directions and forgot to listen to God's voice. I think when you look at us today, we are, you know, there's so many people that I've heard say the United States is a Christian nation. And, and in some ways it is like, I don't want to, I don't right. want to get into that debate. Uh, you know, but just look at the, the, the highest percentage of our population identifies as Christian. So you could easily say that. Um, but we're also like the people that don't go to the party. Jesus is calling us to something greater Jesus is calling us to be set apart people that have been transformed. And a lot of times we're so out there doing what the wor- what we think we need to be doing in the world, right? Which is oftentimes just other ways to make ourselves more successful or more powerful or, or to make sure that uh, our voice is heard above others, that we forget to actually uh, live in the spirit and be Jesus-shaped people. Um, we take ourselves out of the party and uh, and instead we 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 go to that town that's about to be burned down, right? Right, right. You know, and I, I think that's uh, you know that that's spot on is what we're talking about here is that you know in this day and time uh, we run this risk of taking the gospel and making it fit into our culture to justify our culture, right? And and that in a way is rejecting the invitation. Because we're not going to where God's calling us. We're trying to take what God has and make it fit into our mold here. Right. And, uh, and, and it's really hard to discern, uh, you know, what is God's voice and what is just this sort of manipulation of God's voice into our context. Mm. Uh, and uh, we do a lot of that. And that occurs on all kinds of levels in our country, in our world. And... Uh, but as Christ followers, as Jesus followers, we're called to listen to that voice. And, and what you'll find a lot of times that voice is that voice is going to push up against the worldly standard and expectation. And, uh, you know, where there's friction between those two, there's a good chance you're getting close to hearing what God's really saying here. Uh, if it fits real comfortably and neatly into your agenda, into your desire, uh, and the world's pattern, you're probably taking it and pushing it into, you're corrupting somewhat what God's message really is here for us. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and that's one of the, the difficulties. Um, you know, we are, we are non-political um, in nature, you know, as pastors, we, we um, love everybody in our congregation um, we might have personal political beliefs, but we don't. We don't usually let those show in public. But one of the things that uh, that I believe to be true, and I'll I'll let you chime in on this if if uh, if you've got different thoughts, is but if all of your political beliefs, uh, you know, or all of your beliefs as a Christian, um, line up exactly with uh, one political party or the other. Um, then I would challenge whether you've really investigated the Gospels to see everything 
uh, right? That uh, that is in the Bible, right? right? We we uh, we sometimes accept the the teachings of the political party as the teachings of Jesus, and they're not. And that's just one example of the things in our life that we um, that we do this with. It's and it 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 goes on. It's on multiple levels, right? It's it's uh, it goes beyond politics into a lot of other areas, and you know. Uh, if your way of practicing law fits with, uh, you know, one sort of camp or over the other, then then maybe it's not Christian. Or if your way of, uh, of uh, you know, doing art, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I might be stretching things, but I, I, I'm not, I don't really think I am. I think that there are so many ways of doing things that we assume this is how a Christian does it, um, but we don't even actually compared any of that to scripture or the leaning of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so we just accept other people's ideas of what Christians ought to be. And we say that's who we are. Right. Yeah, I think, I think that's the risk. And you got to realize that when we talk about political parties, when we talk about art, when we talk about all these different things, we're talking about human, human creations. Right. And then we're saying, and over here is this divine voice and divine creation. And so anytime that, you, you know, you sit there and you say, okay, well, this matches up perfectly with my ideology or whatever that I have espoused to, the, the problem with that is, or this ideology, is you're, you're trying to pull a divine, infinite, uh, you know, omnipotent, omnipresent, omni-everything into now a finite reality. Right. And, and when you do that, then you're limiting God. And you're not accepting the invitation because what God's inviting us to is a banquet far greater than anything any human institution can concoct mm-hmm. uh, and any human party or any human organization can make. And so I, I think, you know, uh, to listen for that bigger voice, uh, to be aware of it, to, to be in the scripture um, and to be not just in, okay, this piece of scripture, this little a verse fits my agenda over here. That's not really being in the scripture. We need to be really clear about that. Their scripture is a bigger picture. Uh, you've got to embrace the bigger picture of scripture and the bigger meaning of scripture. Uh, because that's, it's not just taking a piece here and a piece there that you like that goes with your agenda. Uh, to be in the scripture means you're in the bigger picture of scripture and the overall theme of scripture, which is a story of grace uh, and a story of reconciliation and love, uh, that goes way beyond our grandest imagination. Yeah. I think, uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, that touches on that is, uh, when you're reading the Bible, a text taken out of context is a pretext to say whatever you want. Yes. That's uh, when we, when we, when we proofread, when we just take a verse, uh, you know, out of its chapter, out of the, the situation that it's in, you can say, well, this is obviously God is calling us to march around cities and, and blow trumpets and go kill everybody inside, right? Like right. that's, uh, you know, that when you take it in the right or the wrong context, uh, you, you, can, you can justify a lot of things. But I, I think that you've already sort of uh, hammered uh, home a little bit, the modern solution. But just to put it into words, I think... Uh, think you're saying that we've got to listen for God's voice instead of the world's voice or the pe- people's voices. We've got to accept the right invitation, right? 
Yeah, I, I think that's the key is that, uh, you know, listening for that, the, the voice of God, which is always bigger and more powerful and more grace filled. I'll just say it that way than, right. than, than the world's voice will ever be, but it'll call you, it'll call you to, to be different than the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the differentiations in this parable we see clearly is, is he's calling them away from their world to a party. Yeah. And so he's calling them to be different than the world. And, and it calls you to bear fruit uh, in that. When you go to that party, you are different and you continue to be different in that world. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think listening for that voice, knowing that voice, certainly as we encounter deeper and more of the scripture, the deeper we get into that, the more we hear that voice and understand that voice and know what that voice sounds like. But I think we also have to continue on that journey. Right. And I think there's the other problem we have is that, that we feel like somehow that we've arrived uh, you know, uh, I was saved when I was whatever, 12 years old, and I have been in the church for 30 years now or 20 years now. So therefore, by golly, I can just sit back and go to church once a month and pay my, you know, pay my tithe and I'm good. I'm golden, you know, right. and I might read one of those little clips on, uh, on Facebook, one of those scriptures on Facebook, uh, every week or two, or maybe once a day even. And, and I'm golden, you know, yeah. and uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this is a journey. You have to keep working at it and you, because you hunger and thirst for that relationship to grow deeper and deeper. And, uh, you know, the good news is, is that God is there. God is accessible. God through Jesus Christ has opened that door wide for us and invites us to come and drink from that stream of grace and hope and joy uh, mm -hmm. all day long. And all we have to do is be willing to do that. And I think that is the perfect place for us to stop today. If you are looking for more uh, resources on scripture reading, you can go to unsanctimonious.com. We have daily scripture readings that you can check out. We have a forum you can participate in. Uh, also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, we would love for you to go on and give us a review. Uh, it doesn't have to be five stars. I mean, maybe if we deserve it, you know, but uh, reviewing, uh, reviewing uh, our podcast and uh, giving it a rating helps others to find it. And we want to certainly uh, encourage everyone we can to engage with the scripture and, and see the life-giving, life-changing, transformational word of God in action for themselves. So um, please do that. You might be um, helping somebody to find um abundant life by doing so uh mark it was a pleasure as always you have any final uh words of encouragement you know i just you know, to go back just continue to uh, encourage people to do what we've just talked about here to drink from the stream to to engage with the word and let it feed you especially in this season i don't know how you all feel but i can tell you that i feel and i think jonathan and i've talked about this that we, we did, it's really a struggle this season with all politics and the virus and everything else uh that we need to be drinking more from that stream probably than we ever have uh, 
uh, to give us some sense of grounding and being and realizing that we are uh, guests at a wedding party mm. and the wedding party is there for us to be a part of and engage with. Mm. Amen and amen. We will see you next time, gang. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Love and peace.